Welcome to another episode of Three Men in a War Game. I'm Paul, and I've never before really been interested in comic book miniatures, but I suddenly am. <laughs> uh, Foreshadowing! Yeah, I'm uh, I'm Kevin, and I, I would be uh, lying if I said I wasn't interested in those same comic book miniatures. <laughs> <laughs> and this is Potter, and uh, unlike these guys, I have got classic WoW hype. Oh, <laughs> dude, that's all I did this weekend. Man, I uh, I, I don't know what to say. I, I guess the, I, I under I understand the appeal, but I'm way out. I'm way out. Come on, guys, come play, <laughs> come play with me. Come Negative. play, do it. You don't need your marriages. It's okay. Negative. Can't do it. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I like my marriage. Yeah, I understand why you guys aren't going to come and play, but for me, I never got to do a lot of the end game in vanilla, so I'm hyped for it. Yeah, have fun with Ragnaros. It's, it's right. It's yeah. fun though. Yeah. So, so, uh, so because of Paul's foreshadowing, what are we talking about today, guys? I think. Well, wait, I got a, I got a quick question though. I was just thinking about you. Got me thinking about vanilla. Wow. Uh oh. Um, I try to get us back on. I try to do Chops' job, and you're derailing me. I know, but I, but I have to. Add, I, I need you to tell me okay. when right. you go in. And this is this is molten core related. Okay. I need to know if in order to get to molten core, you have to jump through the window, or if they actually have the portal. That'll do, that'll tell you how vanilla WoW it really well, is. Well, so everything is based off of patch 1.12. Uh, so this will be a lot of the quality of life features that they added at that point in time to vanilla WoW plus uh, rated battlegrounds will be in there. So I'm not sure where Molten Core was in that. Well, area. Molten Core Molten Core came out at launch, well, but yeah, for, Molten Core for was a launch long one. ass time, it had no actual portal to enter. Right, as as far as I know, from what I I think I've seen, it will have the portal. Well, that's shitty. <laughs> well, again, again, if they put the portal in in patch one point one two, then the portal will be there. If the portal was not there at one point one two, then then it's just going to be through the window. I remember the first time Perry told me to jump through the window, and I was like, "You jump through the fucking window." Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, I, so it's like, like lava on the other side of that window. <laughs> Fucked. I'm not doing so, that. So my, my experience. I got with the Mold gold Core for this shit. In, yeah, my, my experience with Molcore didn't come until Burning Crusade. So by that point in time, the portal was up. And by that point, you could solo it. Uh, no, in Burning Crusade, you still couldn't solo it. The Core Hounds would still kick your kick your ass, but um, Lich King, you definitely could solo it. Or by the end, like Black Temple, Burning Crusade, you could probably solo Molten Core, but not at Karazhan. So. Fair. Yeah, your mom's so, solo right. man core or something. I don't know. Well, I mean, I think people in vanilla had like five man Ani, so from what I from what I understand, so I mean, it's it's definitely doable with the right gear and the right team. In Just, vanilla five manning Ani, yeah, I, I, no. oh yeah, oh yeah. No. But it was probably it was probably like in AQ gear, maybe in black or whatever the uh, last. Raid was yeah, the that's it. Uh, Na- oh, eight, no Naxxramas was Naxxramas yeah. was the last maybe one. Na- Nax, maybe in Nax, Nax gear. gear yeah maybe yeah I'm still dubious anyway guys on topic uh, <laughs> I tried Paul I Paul, Paul I know I tried uh, hobby progress anybody everybody nobody oh well I I I don't know I think this was uh, before our our last recording 
Um, but I came so close in finishing my free folk for the for the tournament we had. Are you finished yep. now? Uh, no, I haven't. I, <laughs> I haven't haven't felt the pressure, so I haven't. So I stepped <laughs> away from him for a little bit. I am going to my problem right. Well, not my problem, but right now I've decided that I'm going to be focusing on doing some reading. Um, but all I have left, I've got most of the colors on my last unit. So it's really, and, and their uh, tray is done. So it's really going in and getting like three more colors on my followers of Bone. All right. Yep. And then, and then it's a completely painted army. He, nice. he was also the only one at the tournament that was remotely even close to being fully painted. That's cool, uh, though, man. Other, I, than, other than Jim, I'm pretty sure I was the only person with paint on any models. Bullshit. Take that back, sir. I had a full unit of Stark Sworn Swords and Eddard had paint on them. Thank you very much. I guess. Hey. Whatever. You guys tried. You tried. I, I didn't. I did not try at all. <laughs> you, I, I won't even let you lie for me. And, and it's, it's okay to like not have painted models, too. I don't want to be that guy that's like, you must paint your manes, um, especially when you're playing A Song of Ice and Fire. That's a lot of painting. That is a lot of painting, so... But um, no, I mean, I haven't I haven't touched anything yet either, uh, mostly because Paul's been yelling at me to get into Sanderson. So I started um, I started reading Elantris. Uh, good. I binge watched the boys because Paul wouldn't shut up about it. Oh, my God. So good. So good. And then I binge watched uh, Good Omens because I was already on Amazon Prime. So also good. so good. Yeah. yeah. So but the boys of, was better. I've been doing a lot of binge watching some Amazon Prime lately. Yeah, Jobs, have you watched The Boys yet? No, this it's on our list. So we were gonna start watching The Boys, but we watched we were we were like halfway through Dark, and if you've started Dark or know anything about it, you will be nodding in agreement that you can't stop watching Dark once you're watching it. it is like insanely gripping television. Um, so no, and then as soon as we finished Dark, the new season of Glow came out. Uh, so we're going to watch Glow, and then we're going to start The Boys. Man, skip Glow, go straight to The Boys. No way. It is, Glow it is, is so easily. It, it's like, it's, but, I mean, that's like my wife and I show, man. That's like one this of is, our this is, shows. This is easily the best show in five or six years. I'm, dude, I'm, I'm, I get it because, be, like, Garth, isn't it Garth Ennis? Isn't that who wrote, the same guy who wrote Preacher is the guy who writes The Boys? Yeah. The actual yep. comic? Yep. Yeah. That's exciting because he's an amazing comic book writer. So, dude, it's so good. That, all right, yeah, I'm, that's I'm, also dude, I am deeply interested. I just haven't started. Yeah, do that's, it. That's also a hard sell saying that it's the best show in the past five years. It is absolutely the best show in the past five years. I'm gonna have to go look at best shows that came out in the past few five years because I mean, don't get me wrong, show is fantastic. Like literally, I texted Paul was like, I am literally 20 minutes into this and I've already had two what the fuck moments. Well, they give you your first what the fuck moment three minutes in. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it starts strong and it does not stop. I'm, it, I'm into it's, it. It's a good you guys show. don't have to sell me any harder on it. I want to watch it. I just haven't gotten around to it. No, we're selling you on get the fuck around to it, Chops. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. We're selling you on skipping glow and yeah. going straight to it. That's yeah. not going to happen, though. I'm just not. That's like a. This is like a, a marriage level decision. You guys can't co-opt that situation. So I'll, I will. I will finish Glow, and then we will start watching the boys. All right. Well, you better. You better fucking watch Glow real quick. So about Gen Con. Yeah. Uh, how was it? <laughs> oh my God, 
Guys, Gen Con was amazing. Hold on, I need a time check. Eight minutes? All right, cool. Gen Con was great. <laughs> um, it was really good. I had an amazing time. So I went with uh, a lot of the stuff I said I was going to do in our pre-episode I did. A few things I didn't. Um, so the way that the timing worked out was that the only day that I had by myself at the convention was Friday. Uh, and I could, I really could only stay there until like 6.30 or 7. Uh, so I opted not to play in the Malifaux Tyrant Tournament because that was going to be my main time that I was going to be able to wander, which is my favorite thing to do at Gen Con. Um, and I opted to use that time to wander and play demos instead of uh, the Malifaux Tournament. But everything else I talked about, I did. Um, and okay. I had a thoroughly excellent time. Did you, did you win Hungry Hungry Hippos? I did not. <laughs> I forgot uh, about that. <laughs> I, I did not. Well, I mean, I have to ask because if I don't ask, Jim's going to yell at me that I didn't ask. Um, I it was amazing. I, I did I did get past the first heat this year, which is my first time. Nice. Nice. Uh, I have always been eliminated in the first heat before, and I made it to the second <laughs> heat this year, so that was exciting. <laughs> See, um, I feel like I would be too busy laughing. And that's exactly the problem actually get and i tell myself one. every I tell, I tell myself every year i'm going to be serious and then they ring the bell and it's just and it's it's everything you can do to stop from laughing at it uh because because it's like 200 people at once right like smashing on all of the hungry hungry hippo sets and it's incredibly fun uh-huh i like it i like it how was the uh how was the slaying of the dragon also, it was a phoenix, and it was cool. Did your uh, did your daughter? Did you have your no, daughter join in? She was too little, um, so no. But but um, as you guys know this, maybe not all of our listeners know. Uh, my daughter's name is Aurelia, um, and we call her Leia. So um, she basically goes by Leia, and her aunt uh, made her a hat that looks like Princess Leia's hair. Uh, and also knitted her a belt that looks like Princess Leia's belt, and we bought her like a white dress, and we gave and basically gave her like a little plushy pit like blaster, uh, <laughs> and let her walk around the floor. And the most amazing thing is that people go, "Oh, Princess Leia!" and and she would turn around and smile and wave at them, even though she's like 15 months old because she understands that's her name. <laughs> That's amazing. That's and like, so cute. Watching con goers go, oh my god, she responded to her <laughs> cosplay name was like the funniest thing I've ever seen. And it was like heartwarming every time because someone would be like, oh my god, look at the cute little Leia. And she'd turn around and be like, ha, like a big grin on her face and like wave at them. <laughs> uh, so, you know, and she, and she has this like hi that she does this really, you know, like only a 15 month old can do. Uh, and it was really great. Uh, that was honestly one of my favorite times was like waiting for the, the vendor hall to open on Thursday morning with her and her full Leia garb. It was really great. That's cute. Nice. Now you're making me want to do something like that with my son since his name is Lucas. Yeah, for sure. Well, and again, he's in my ex doesn't think that I, I push for the name because of the fact that it's Star Wars related, but I did. And I, it was more George Lucas, not Luke Skywalker. So. Right, right. So that's awesome. So what other what other fun stuff did you get to do? Like so I know you did I know you did a ton of swag shopping. That picture was 
packed full of, <laughs> packed full of minis, yeah, man. I, uh, I, I ended up, so the total cost of the trip, um, before people started paying me back, uh, was like $1,300. Uh, and, and, and that's just event and vendor hall receipts. So I, uh, I did a lot of ninja shopping. Not, not all of that was mine. I spent like $90 on an art print. My wife and I always like go hard and buy a nice piece of artwork from a, like an artist that's there displaying. Uh, I bought a board game that's based off the movie tremors called, well, it's not based on the movie. It's, it's an obvious homage to the movie tremors. Uh, and it's called the terror below. Uh, and you're basically like competing with each other to research and kill the most sandworms. It's so stupid, but really fun. Uh, it's a really fun game. Um, I also, um, picked up some stuff for myself for weird, um, and I bought a board game that I want to talk about, uh, later in the episode called unmatched. Um, I also, um, did a lot of demos, but before that, the, the, I think the most exciting thing for the con for me was that I participated and won a heat in weirds, uh, speed painting events. Um, so that was really cool. Yeah. Tell I, us about that. So it was, uh, Basically, they the alternate Azamu the the armor, which is uh, if you guys are familiar with the tortoise and the hare uh, twisted alternates, it's the tortoise. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I we had two hours because it's such a large model uh, to paint, and some very old and mostly dried out Vallejo paints and brushes that were like not <laughs> great. Uh, so and it was like it was funny too because I like sat down a little bit after the first like five people had showed up to the table so like I had the scraps of the brushes. Um, okay. But uh, it worked out because I ended up winning. Uh, two hours, man. I just I did every, I did you know I used the most I could with the techniques I had. Uh, the first thing I did was like, well, all I have are these giant ass brushes, so let me lay down some fast base coats. So like I thinned these paints down as much as I could. Um, I pulled a color wheel up on my phone because I'm color dumb and only know how to paint nicely because I have a thousand Citadel paints. So I had to like pull up a color wheel and figure out how to mix the paints that I wanted. Uh, but that was fun too. Cause <laughs> I got to mix my own paints. Um, and, uh, just did a good job. I think, uh, I did a clean paint job. I ended up, they had one blue metallic. So I mixed some paints in to make it more of a black metallic and then dry brush gray and white to give him like a semi iridescent shell, which the judges actually really liked. So I was like, yes, that was a good decision. <laughs> uh, and the other thing that I did is that a lot of the people that were painting painted everything super bright. And I picked only very specific details to contrast with the rest of the colors. Uh, so the things that I did bright really popped off the model. Uh, and I think that also helped. Um, but I ended up winning, which was the, the prize was um, an alternate um, gremlin model that's based off Bob Ross, which is really cool. I love that. I love that model. Yep. Uh, very, very cool. And a little pin, too, a little enamel pin that has... Um, Waldo on it, which is Weird's little imp mascot. Nice. So that was fun. Um, and like, it really made the rest of the con that much nicer, like having that really cool thing happen to me on the first day, uh, winning that painting contest. Um, but after that, uh, it was like a lot of vendor hall wandering, like looking at a lot of stuff, 
doing as many demos as I could sit down and play. And I played a ton of board game demos because, you know, as I talked about in our pre-episode, I'm, you know, as much as I play miniatures games, the thing that got me into the, like, you know, I started playing board games and collecting board games before I got back into playing miniatures. And I still have a deep love for board games. Um, So I played a lot of board game demos, bought a lot of board games. Um, But I also made sure I... uh, was um good to the minis hobby because that is you know my primary interest i think right now um so i did a lot of stuff i i saw a lot of booths you guys want uh just some some rundown of things that i saw things that i did uh, do you guys yeah. have anything anything in specific that you want to hear about first before we talk about the main event um did you did you did you did you play dystopian wars I did not because every time I went, just like, just like, it, I swear to God, man, they need more than one demo table <laughs> because just like Adepticon, every time I went, Stuart was explaining the rules to somebody. And I was like, God right. damn it. Like every single time I come here at the beginning of the demo, um, but I did sit and watch a demo and I did like love looking at the enlightened ships and I watched a demo for 15 minutes because I really wanted to get a gist for the rules of the game. Um, and I think mm-hmm. that it's really neat. I think the the beta rules that I read are still pretty much intact, but watching them play is really cool. Like actually, you know, reading a rule book is obviously different than seeing a game is different than actually playing a game, but standing b- behind somebody and watching them make some decisions. Like I stood behind one player and like watched that player's decision process um, and watch the rules. And it was the enlightened player that I was watching because those like whale torpedo ships are too red. Um, <laughs> yeah. Those are pretty cool. But the game's, yeah, the game's really cool, man. Um, and I, I think it's going to do really well. Good. Yeah. yeah sure. I, I can't think. Sure. Oh, um, Star Wars Legion. So did you, did you get any, see any of the hands on with the kits? Like exposed, like I mean, I know they probably had models in the cases, but did you get to see any of the actual like droids on sprues? Not on sprues, no. Okay. Um, but I did get to see them playing on the table. They had some really cool tables there. Like they had one, uh, like Geonos- Geon- Geonosis table. Uh, right. I was trying to think of how you would say that as like, uh, a, you know, speaking about a citizen of Geonosis, but I decided against it. Uh, <laughs> Um, but the Geonosis table was cool. There was also a table that was like half built out of aquarium terrain uh, that looked really awesome. I um, did, I did see that one. There were some Instagram pictures of that one out there um, that they were posting. Pre- I think it was like the day before the hall opened for their prep. I think um, Fantasy Flight was posting those out on Instagram. Yeah, dude, it was really, really, really sweet table. Um, at least I thought it was really sweet. It was one of the one of the coolest tables I think that I saw at the con. Um, yeah, also, so, I, mean, I, I was just hoping to see what, what like the quality was. Cause I know the droids are a different level of plastic. Oh, you um, can tell, what, you can tell just like looking at the miniatures on the tables, you can tell that they're the quality of the sculpts has gone up a lot and the quality of okay. the plastic has gone up a lot. I think that's very hmm. obvious, um, when you're watching. Yeah, I mean, because pictures are one thing, but seeing it in person is completely different. So, because you know that I'm definitely interested in that. Because um, they're just they just announced like a bunch of new expansion packs, and and awesome that they're doing this. So they they announced all the new like 
sergeant and you know uh, heavy weapon upgrades that you can now add to like your stormtroopers and your rebel troopers but at the same time at the same moment they're releasing stuff exactly for the droids and the clone troopers uh for the exact same kind of packs for their troops too which was really cool to see and i was hoping that they were going to be this new plastic because the sculpts look a little different they look a little bit more higher quality from the 3d renderings that we saw from when legion first went out so i, w I was wondering if that if this because of the fact they're moving to that new plastic I, I would say so i would say you can anticipate that they're it's much better yeah so i think that was i think that was mine besides the main event cool i'll talk about a couple other things just in brief then uh, i went by the steamforge demo area and got to see the production plastics for god tier um and it was basically me breathing a huge sigh of relief because the plastics are real and look really good um and the production boards look really good and the cards the the design on the cards is good um and i have faith that the game is going to be very good too because the rules were in a good state the last time i looked at them so i'm just happy that i didn't waste my money on that kickstarter pledge and that i'll get some enjoyment out of uh out of playing god tier because it looks really great well, good. Me, yeah. I'm, I'm excited about that. And the pictures that I saw of it looked really fantastic. Oh, yeah. yeah they're they, very good. Yeah, there, there was some stuff floating around, and I know that I think some people were even posting in our Discord channel about it, about like some of the guys, your Madison guys, they were there looking at it and said the plastics were actually quality plastics, too, for them. Not only do they look good, but it was just tactile, hands-on, good quality plastic. Oh, yeah. I held them all, too. Yep. I was definitely picking oh, them up and manipulating them, and they're really nice. That's yep. good. Yep. So there was that. Um, I went by Corvus Belly's booth. Uh, I checked out Defiance. I wasn't able to play it because it was like a you had to wait for the demo constantly. Um, but the game looks rad. It's like a mixture. It's like if you added um, Space Hulk sort of tension to the core system of Aristea, um, you get somewhere near what Defiance is. Um, it's really good. Uh, and I'm eagerly awaiting that Kickstarter because I think that it's going to be a ton of fun to play. Yeah, I'm, and I'm interested in it. Like you, you, we've I know you've mentioned in the past about the Aristea stuff, and I think playing Infinity on a smaller scale, even though Infinity's already you know low model count game, um, that is, appeals to me a little bit more just because of. Hopefully it won't be as many freaking common rules to remember. Well, it's, I mean, it's mainly a board game, right? This is like a right. cooperative board game or, or, or semi-cooperative if you want to do one versus many. Um, so it's really cool that way. Yeah. Cause like my sister and my brother-in-law are super into like board games. Like we played, you know, I, I sent you pictures when I was down at the mountains when, you know, we were playing um, the, well, not house on a hundred hill. It was, um. Oh, the other mansion one where you get a cooperative play to where somebody becomes the. Well, I mean, but betrayal on the house of the hill. There or, you go. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, betrayal. So but then we play like uh, Lords of Waterdeep. Um, they've got both expand or the the expansion for that one, which surprised me playing that. So I'm looking for something like this where I can because my brother-in-law is super into minis as well too. So Aristea is something I can bring with minis that also is that board game to kind of bring him into that realm of seeing like, hey, this is my world. But combined with your world, kind and I, of thing. I would say Defiance over Aristea because Defiance okay. is like an actual board game. Where I mean, Aristea is a board game too, but Aristea is still a skirmish game, right? You're still right. 
primarily fighting each other. It's a game show, kind of like Smash right. TV, and you're still fight you're fighting each other. Whereas Defiance is more of like uh kind of like Descent or Gotcha. Um, Star Wars Imperial Assault, where right. it has minis in it, but you're playing like a dungeon crawler. Ooh, Descent might be a good one to get them into because I've always wanted to play Descent. Not might Again, be something I, for. The... I mean, def- I have, I have, uh, I can hand you a couple boxes of stuff from Descent, and there's well, an then... app now too for it. But um, yeah, Descent's very good. Yeah. So I want to talk about one other thing, which is my second favorite game from the con. That I and my favorite game that I was actually able to buy. So this is a game from Restoration Games. Uh, Restoration um, has their their whole philosophy is that they take old and out of print board games that people that have a lot of nostalgia attached to them uh, and people love them, uh, and then they update the rules for those games to bring them up into modern standards. So they, they look at the rules, they evaluate them, they try to keep the core of the game intact while updating it for a modern audience and then giving the game a total facelift. And this is what they've been doing for, I think, three years now. Uh, one of the main studio heads there is Rob Davio. And for people who know the industry that's or don't know the industry, that's the guy who uh, developed Pandemic Legacy. Um, as well as Risk Legacy. He did the Battle for Naboo, which is a very good asymmetric Star Wars game. Uh, he's a really, really good designer. And so they, you know, they take that design pedigree and they update old games. And so there used to be a game called Star Wars Epic Duels, which was amazing in its day. It was a super cool game that was basically you got to take two characters from the Star Wars universe and smash them against each other and see who would win. And they couldn't get the Star Wars license. So what they've done is they've made a game called Unmatched. And the whole idea about Unmatched is that they they can take anything that they want from any uh, either open license or licenses they can get properties and then print maps and decks of cards so that you can put these characters together. So what I was able to get at Gen Con was a box that pits Bigfoot against Robin Hood. Uh, but there is also going to be available a Bruce Lee box and also a box called Battle of Legends Volume 1, which, it, which has Sinbad, Alice, King Arthur, and Medusa. So that gives you like an idea of the sort of variety of characters that are going to be out. They also have the Buffy the Vampire Slayer license and the Jurassic Park license. So, wow, yeah, you just piqued my interest. So they're going to be doing the damn thing with this game, and I want to I want to take just a couple minutes to explain this game because I can explain to you essentially how to play it right now. So each uh, player essentially gets a deck of cards and a hero card. And the deck of cards has three kinds of cards in it, attack cards, defense cards, and scheme cards. And there's also a mixture of attack and defense. So they're basically red attack, blue defense, purple can be used for attack or defense, and then yellow for scheming. So those are your four kinds of cards. Now there's a map. And on the map, there are circles. And every circle has one or multiple uh, sort of terrain uh, colors. And the way the game works is that if you have only melee attacks, you can only attack if you're adjacent to an enemy. And if you have range, you always have range to any other model who shares at least one color with the color of your base. 
So like if you're looking at the map, the map's going to have all these little colored circles on them. Some of the colored circles will be a single color, some will be two, some will be three. But as long as you can see one color that matches one color in the space that you're in, you can take a shot. Does that make sense? Yep. So that's how they establish line of sight. And the way the game works is you get two actions. The first action is maneuver. With maneuver, you get to move your person and all of their allies, so your mini and all their allies, up to the movement value that's printed on your main card. Uh, and then you draw a card, and that's the main way you draw cards. So another thing you can do is scheme. When you scheme, you just play the scheme card. And the scheme cards let you break the rules and do fun stuff. Like Bigfoot has a card called Crash Through the Trees, that allows Bigfoot to move five spaces when his normal movement speed is three, and it allows you to move through spaces that are occupied by enemy models, which you normally can't do. So it's basically, it allows Bigfoot to get into exactly the position that he wants to be for a big attack or to escape, right? So that's an example of a scheme card. And then you have your defense cards and so what you, or your attack cards. And so what you do with your attack action so we've got it maneuver, right, scheme, and then attack. So you declare your attacker, you declare the, who you are attacking, and then you have to play a card face down out of your hand, and your opponent chooses whether or not they'd like to play a card out of their hand. Then you both flip and you compare the values and the abilities on the card. And there are tons of little special rules and interactions and basically values from one to six and any value that you have that exceeds your opponent's value you do damage to them and if as the defender you exceed the the damage you don't take any okay. um, mm-hmm. and then there's lots of abilities on the cards like bigfoot a lot of his cards do things that are bigfooty like he's got one that cancels all the text on your opponent's card because Bigfoot doesn't exist, right? So you can't do anything to him. Uh, And then another one allows him to like slink back into the woods after combat. Um, So though, and everything is thematic that way. Um, Like, and Robin Hood's main ability is like run and gun. So like every time he shoots, he can always move. Um, Mm. And that's the way, and, and like, I can't tell you how like, good the theming is like every like big at least for the two that i have right for bigfoot and robin hood robin hood really feels like you're playing robin hood and his outlaws and with bigfoot you have bigfoot and the jackalope uh and the jackalope is amazing and a total (laughs) dick uh so also very cool uh and and a thing that i would say is a major standout of this game is that the co-creator the or i should say not the co-creator because the rules i think are all restoration but the restoration teamed with mondo which is a, an art house. They basically got their start. I think they're out of Texas. They got their start doing pop culture art for movies. So making movie posters and shirts and stuff, doing licensed, rare, basically timed exclusivity merch. Um, and they're known for having a stable of incredible pop culture artists. Uh, and all of the art and all of the board design in this game is done by Mondo's artists. So the, and I'm, when I, when I tell you, that this is my favorite art in any board game that I've ever played. I I'm, I mean that in a very profound way because I am attracted to very beautiful board games and this board game makes some of the most beautiful board games on the market look like shit. Frankly, it has incredible artwork. Hmm. 
And so that's unmatched. And I, I think it's going to be a big deal because it's another one of those games where I can have, I can have any player, any, and I'm talking like a person who's only ever played like monopoly and card games. And I can get them playing this thoroughly modern board game with you know, colored circles and miniatures and a deck of cards in five to 10 minutes. Like as long as it took me to describe to you, if I had the cards in front of you, you'd be ready to go. Hmm. Okay. So that's unmatched. And that comes out, I think next month. So keep an eye out because it is super cool. I'm going to have to look Hmm. into that. I really like it. It's very light. Um, but in, in it, I think in its lightness comes the appeal in that, like you can play a game in 15 to 20 minutes and have a lot of fun playing it. Gotcha. So, that, that so that's that. Yeah. So now I think we talk about the game that won Gen Con for me. I think, yeah. I think, I think it won Gen Do Con it. for a lot of people. Um, yeah. and that is Marvel crisis protocol. Say what? I know. Superheroes. Uh, Nobody superheroes. saw it coming. Yeah, no, no one I, saw it coming. This was a complete and utter surprise, um, especially being tacked on to the, uh, the announcement that it was tacked on to. I mean, it was at the very end of Fantasy Flight's you know, uh, presentation. Yeah. And I think actually to me, that was the, the least surprising part for specific reasons. But let's talk about it. So it was at the top at the, at the, bo- or the top. The bottom, sorry, the bottom of Fantasy Flight's presentation, mm-hmm. they they brought out Will Schick, um, and everybody who pays attention to miniatures and knows anything about the miniatures market and pays attention to what is actually happening at miniature games companies knows that Will and a couple other big shots at Privateer Press left uh, a while back. Yep, mm-hmm. uh, and everybody also knew, at least people who were like sort of in the know. Um, knew that there was a design team that had recently taken up space in Fantasy Flight's design studio, even if they didn't know who those people were. And people were curious about where these Privateer Plus people ended up. I think a lot of people expected them to go to like a Kickstarter model and produce a new game, but it turns out they got sniped by Asmodee, and they are working mm-hmm. out of the Fantasy Flight headquarters in Roseville. Yep. Um, and they announced Marvel Prices... Crisis Protocol, which is them essentially using Asmodee and Fantasy Flight's excellent uh, design resources and materials resources. And we'll talk about materials resources in a second because it's a big deal with the core design for uh, Marvel Prices Protocol, but also the absolute design know-how from Will Schick um, and Will Pagini. Oh, yeah. 100%. Um Will Schick was probably one of the driving forces for what made Mark II of Privateer Press one of the best editions of Warm Hordes right. that and that all, game has seen. And they have Dallas Kemp, too, who is like the iconic yeah. miniatures painter from Privateer Press, right? Like, yep. if you ever looked and was looked at their, like, uh, display minis and the, the minis they have on the website, like, all of those miniatures for years were painted by Dallas. Um, yeah, all all you gotta do is go to their uh, their their uh, YouTube channel and look at a lot of their early how to paints, and you, that's Dallas. Yeah, that's the guy right there. Yep, three up. Yep, the three up videos are all Dallas Kemp. So yep. they have Dallas as a studio, and it was awesome because Dallas was actually at Gen Con painting minis at the booth. Oh, so nice. like, awesome. I got to sit and talk to Dallas for a second and like watch him painting mini miniatures, which was like totally amazing. It was so cool. 
Um, and the wills were both there for pretty much o- o- door open to door closed too, which was also really cool. Yeah, the only thing for me that probably could make the dream team is that they could get Ed Burlow to come join them. But I know he's he's doing a lot of his own stuff with his own company now. But I, I got to meet both of those guys at uh, TempleCon one year, and, and both those guys were fantastic people uh, to meet and, and interact with and really good for the community. For sure. For sure. Um, so that out of the way, what is Marvel Prime? crisis protocol well it's a marvel game it's a i mean i don't have to tell you you probably are if you're listening to this show you at least know some of the details uh so it plays on a three by three board it's a skirmish game uh in general the most miniatures you're ever going to bring to a specific encounter is 10 uh so that small model count is very much intact and even though you bring 10 i don't think you'll ever play with 10 you that's just what your crew building uh ability comes from is to pull from that pool of 10 models uh, it has victory conditions that don't involve killing your opposing models. It has very good resource management. Um, and it's got uh, great terrain interaction. So it, I think it ticks a lot of boxes for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Now, have you guys taken the time to read the rule book yet? Because if you get anybody listening, if, if you go to the Atomic Mass, so Atomic Mass Studios is the name of the company that makes the game. And if you go to Atomic Mass website, they are, they are hanging it out there and the rules are already available. And there are people mm-hmm. online that are already proxying all the cards out of the pictures that were taken at Gen Con. And they're already playing this game with the starter set and proxies, um, having 3D printed the tools and used stuff from Legion. Yeah, it was like because the so I I've read a little bit of the rules. I, I was about maybe six seven pages in, and then yeah, I saw I saw the the uh, the movement is as hundred percent based on Star Wars Legion. Legion, yeah. yeah the, they, the, the, the the widgets, yeah, the widgets exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Um, all that's there. Um, so yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting. Uh, I've liked what I've seen so far, and, and when you when it came out, I was like, eh. You know, superhero miniature games, nah, I'm not too interested in. Like, you know, love Marvel, love the movies, love the comics, grew up reading X-Men as a kid. Like, I love superheroes. But just the idea of getting a miniatures game based in a superhero world, I wasn't too keen on. Um, and the more and more I have seen of this game, uh, now knowing that terrain is destructible um, and interactive... Uh, knowing how that there's you know two sides to the card, and as your heroes get damaged, they get a little bit more of that kind of heroicness going on because you know they're getting beat up, but they're you know still got that grit and tenacity to move forward. Like there's a lot of these elements of this game that I've seen so far that's like, okay, yeah, sign me up for a hundred bucks. I'll get the starter set and let's try this out. Yep. Yep. Um, I'm I'm a hundred percent with you. Um, it, and and also like we it should be said and be known that the miniature quality is very high. <laughs> like these, they're hard plastic. Um, the sprues look a lot like GW sprues in terms of like how they, the actual physical appearance of the plastic on the sprue. Um, and they're keyed extremely well. Uh, obviously the studio miniatures are going to have whatever gap filling was necessary, but like they, if you look at the pictures, the miniatures look like they fit together very well. Um, and they are immaculately sculpted. Like some of them take some influence from MCU design. Others are full on mm. classic comic book design. A lot of them are a fusion of those two things. 
Um, and they are great. Like Hulk is straight up out of the comics, right? Ultron right out of the comics. Uh, Doc Ock straight out of the comics. So it's uh, very... Groot, yeah. Groot and yeah, Rocket Groot. were very much... But like Star-Lord was very much out of MCU. So MCU, it was, even with the right. Guardians, it was mixed up. Yep, and like, and again, you know, you look at Vision. Vision looks a lot like the comics, but if you look at like Hela, Hela looks a lot like her, right. Hela from Dark World or whatever, right? So, or uh, Ragnarok. Uh, Ragnarok, right? So it 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 you know they they take their visual in, uh, influences from both, and I think like Cap is another one where when you look at Cap, Cap looks a lot like a mixture between comic book and. Uh, and comic or comic book and MCU and Iron Man like straight up designed right out of the comic book. Um, I don't remember exactly which Mark suit it is, but it's like right out of the comic books. Yeah, so that's the, really the, cool. The designs of the models looked really good, and it, like I said, very very like I like Zemo's model was very good. I liked how it was very much the the comic book Zemo. Yep, um, for sure. Your, Red Red Skull was very much you could have pulled either way, you know, movie and or comics, you know, it was very good. Same with Crossbones, right out of the comics. Yeah. Nothing to do with the MCU design at nope. all. Nope. The only the only problem I have with the Crossbones sculpt is him and Cap's uh, poses are almost exactly the same. They're similar. Like they Yeah, they just felt like there was no variation in that, but like other, that's the only time like I saw two sculpts I was kind of like meh. But then again, I hate Captain America. I think he's the lamest superhero ever created. Uh, he's a piece of shit, and you'll never get me off that hill. Uh, but anyways, um, so I'll never take Captain America. I don't care how good he is in the game. I'll never take him in my team. That's fair. <laughs> but now no, that this, we've, this we've sculpt, let you air that grievance. Yeah, my that grievance. Um, but like you put the pictures of Hulk up on the Discord, and you know, I'm hoping, and I'm hoping it's only that many pieces. Because of the back of how freaking huge he is, but that is a lot of pieces for a non-weird miniature model. Yeah, yeah, but, but they they're at least like they fit big together pieces. well, and it is a giant model, by the way. Like, no, it, yeah, as it should be. Hulk is huge. Like the you know, it, Hulk should be big. I have, don't have a problem with that, but you know. Putting, you know, half of his, you know, splitting his arms into two pieces, like, and I'm not just talking, like, you know, forearm to top of your arm. I'm talking, like, it's split down the middle of the whole arm. Like, that was a little much to me. But, again, if you think about 3D modeling, like, getting into the weeds, if you think about 3D modeling and you look at the size of his arms and the the degree to which the arms are bent, they didn't have a lot of choice on, Uh, like, how how an actual mold has to be constructed. Um, So to get him in the pose, they had to cut it into that many pieces. But in any case, man, the models are gorgeous. (laughs) No, they are. They're they're beautiful models and they're plastic. So that's a bonus. Right. So good. Um, So I want I want to talk about Paul. Did you have something before I dig into the mechanics here? No, go for it. All right. So I got to play three demos because I am like I play. I I sat in line for the first one. I was like, you know what? I want to play this on all three demo boards because. I want to play it in every environment. So they had like a park board. They had the subway board, which was fucking amazing. I saw uh, the subway board on uh, YouTube. It looked good. Yep. Yeah, and then they also had a rooftop board, which was also like out of control. Amazing. Um, uh, so I basically played one round three times. Uh, and one of the games I actually played two full rounds because there was surprisingly not someone waiting for a demo. And the person who was standing there was like, oh, no, keep playing. This is a really interesting match. So I, I kept playing. Um, and it, I've, you know, I've got a really good sense for how the game feels. And I, I, I mostly want to just highlight the things uh, that I highlighted there as we were talking, but talk about them in a little more detail. 
Um, the first thing to talk about is that the game has extremely good terrain rules on the three by three board. And, and what I mean by that is the terrain is all sized out size one, two, three, four. Uh, the official terrain for the game um, actually has the sizes printed if the terrain is big enough on the bottom. Uh, and then the definitions for the terrain inside the box if it's not big enough. And then the, the box almost comes with enough terrain that, that you meet the minimum requirements for a competitive game. Because they say they play with between 15 to 20 pieces with most of the pieces being size 1, 2, and 3 with a few size 4. Um, and that's, they give you uh, two size four, two size three, two size two, and four size one in the core box. So you get a lot of terrain in the box. And it's, those definitions go into like what size that people can pick up and throw because you can pick up and throw cars in this game or buildings if you're the Hulk. Uh, so Love it. Yep. Uh, and, and again, the rules are super simple. Like if it says you can pick up size up to size three terrain, the terrain's defined as size three, you can pick it up and throw it. If you hit someone with it, it does as much damage to them as the size of the terrain, like just super easy, um, to go for. Um, so another thing that's really cool about this game, alternating activations, skirmish games, guys on three by three boards with alternating activations. Like I think we've been screaming from the rooftops that this is the future of gaming. Uh, and here we are with privateer press designers or former privateer press designers. They understand, they know that, and that's the space that they're working in here. Um, another thing I want to talk about here is the dice. And this is where fantasy flights sort of, uh, touches come in um, we'll talk about the measuring tools and the dice the dice in this game are amazing so they're d8s which is pretty standard fare for fantasy flight but the privateer press guys i don't think were or I'll, I'll start calling them atomic mass you know refer to them by their new company the atomic mass guys weren't satisfied i think with the limited variety of symbols that you normally get on uh fantasy flight dice so when you look at Fantasy Flight, you usually have two, three, maybe four symbols. Um, these dice have six. So you've got a critical symbol, which critical symbols are exploding. Uh, they can only explode once. So a critical into a critical doesn't cause another critical. But the first critical explodes into another dice roll. Dope. And that's offense or defense. So super easy, super awesome. You also have wild. So wild counts as a hit or a block if you're on offense or defense. Uh, but it also can trigger specific abilities on your cards. So like Crossbones, for example, has an ability where he bum rushes an opponent. And if you get wild, a wild dice in the result, you can throw them too. So hmm. you can end up like throwing them into something. And so that's like triggers in Malifaux, right? So there's that. And, and the cool thing is like most attacks ro are rolling three, four, five, six dice. So it's not like you have just that one in eight chance. It's the one in eight chance on every dice that you roll, that you're going to roll a wild. Um, that, that triggers cool abilities. There's two hit symbols, which are just hits. 
Uh, there's one block, and so every block cancels a hit, and then if you're paying attention, crits are also successes, and wilds are also successes. So even on defense, there's three things you can use to block hits, and then there's failures. And the cool thing about failures is they are decidedly not hits or blocks, but they also cannot be re-rolled. So any rule that would see you re-rolling dice, the failure dice cannot be re-rolled. Um, and the thing about this, these dice and the magic of the math that they've done with these dice is that they can use one die uh, and it feels very good and very intuitive when you roll them and it lets them do things that are cool, like having explosions on the dice uh, that you, so you can have those cool added in and then stuff like that. And then you can also have wild dice and some, you know, the wild symbol is great because that allows them to really theme in every hero. Like some heroes, if they throw wild, that allows them to reroll a blank, um, which gives them more chances to hit. Or if you're like Baron Zemo, or maybe it's not, I don't remember exactly which character it was, but somebody can reroll wilds as defense dice. Uh, when they're defending so like they can use these different symbols to make every superhero really stand out from each other and i think that's really cool i don't know if you guys have any specific takes on that or not no i mean i, I like what i've heard so far it, it sounds it sounds like it's going to be different it's going to be thematic um you know especially picking people up and like throwing them into buildings i like that idea yeah, it's super thematic. So, so here's an here's an example of one. Um, so Black Widow, if she rule if she rolls a wild on her attack called Mixed Technique, uh, it allows her to after the attack is moved, she can advance with the short measurement tool, because you know Black Widow, she's got adaptive tactics. Man, after she hits you, she's gonna get the hell out of dodge, so you can't right. just smack her back. Yeah, get that gorilla tactics using her size to her advantage. Exactly. Yep, I like it. It makes sense. I like it. So that's like an example of, of, of what the wild dice do. And most uh, of the superheroes on their attacks that take power, they have wild symbols. And so that's going to lead me into the next part of the discussion. Unless, Paul, do you have anything you want to talk about with regards to the uh, uh, dice? Nope. Go for it. <laughs> cool. Um, so talking about the next thing, which is the main resource, which is power. So power in this game, um, it seems a lot like fury in uh, War of the Hordes. Um, I, at least I think it's, it's very inspired by fury. Um, at the start of every turn, every, every character generates one power, a hero or villain. And then when you take damage, every damage that you take generates one power. And so this is cool because it generates the seesaw, right? Because even as the attacker, you have to know that every damage you do, if you don't knock a person out, is potentially fueling their counterattack, much like the blow counter blow in a comic book match is, right? Whoa. Fucking awesome. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then also every basic attack that doesn't require that doesn't require the use of power generates power either one power or power per damage done really depends on the character some characters generate power equal to damage some generate one okay okay um and that's awesome and then you use power to fuel superpowers so everyone has a generic attack and the cool thing is all the generic attacks are unique to the superhero 
So even if, uh, and a lot of them are similar, right? They're just like basic strikes. They use a certain amount of, that you roll a certain amount of dice or whatever. But the cool thing is that even if they don't have special abilities, they generate power and they're also potentially different uh, types of attacks. And we'll talk about that in a second. But there are also the superpowers and the superpowers have a printed power cost on them. So it's like two, three, four. So you spend the power and then you make the attack. And then you also have reactionary abilities and abilities that you can only use on your turn uh, that aren't attacks that require superpowers. So an example of that would be Ultron's uh, kinetic field generator. So this says choose an interactive terrain feature size three or less within three range and throw it medium this superpower can only be used once per turn so not an attack but allows you to levitate and throw up to size three terrain i like it very cool um and you know again without getting too much into every single superhero and every single power every superhero has stuff like this um, and every superhero has both, again, abilities that they can use, uh, super, super, or I should say, like, um, superpowers they can use, abilities that they can use that use power, uh, that are active on their turn, that are reactionary, or that are always on. So an example of an always on ability might be Captain Marvel's energy absorption. So this says, whenever this character is defending against an energy attack, for each wild they roll, they may change one of the attacker's dice to blank, and then this character gains one power for each die changed this way, because Marvel, Captain Marvel absorbs energy. That's what she does. So again, mm. highly thematic. And, mm-hmm. and that segues us into our next topic or our next part of this like natural discussion, which is talking about the three different types of attacks. So there are physical attacks, energy attacks, and mental attacks. And this is important because every character has physical defense, energy defense, and mental defense. And that's amazing because that filters into how you maneuver and who you attack, right? And it also filters into like how these characters are built. So, uh, Black Widow, for example, has a pretty good uh, physical defense, not a lot of, uh, not a ton of energy defense, but a huge amount of mental defense because she's really smart and knows how to take the, the battlefield situation and apply it to her favor. So if you try to hit her with that specific type of attack, she's going to be rolling a lot of defense in, uh, in return. Whereas like a character like Captain America has a very high physical defense mm-hmm. um, because he can, you know, he knows how to take that physical punishment. And this again, further allows them and gives them the design space to really separate these superheroes and make them feel like the characters they're supposed to be without making the rules overly complicated. Okay. Um, I just think it's a, a brilliant turn. Um, and then every attack printed on your card has exactly what kind of damage is doing, right? So like Captain Marvel, as another example, she has a strike that's physical, energy blast, and rocket punch that are energy-based. And so when you roll those attacks, those are the defenses that the opponent is going to have to uh, essentially roll for. So it's really easy to resolve the attacks. You just declare your attack, 
roll the dice. Your opponent rolls the number of dice equal to their defense stat for that type, and then you resolve hits over misses. Super awesome, super easy, but again, gives the developers an amazing amount of space to design these characters and again, make them feel like they should feel. I could go on and on and on and on um, about how rad this is. Um, but it, it, just to say it's very good. Now, also, uh, Potter, you sort of hinted that characters have two sides to their card. Mm-hmm. Um, they have their, um, like, good state and their, um, uh, like, uh, I can't remember, damage state. Yep. Mm-hmm. And how it works is that if you take damage, and this is a lot like um, um, Monster Apocalypse, if you take damage uh, equal to the front of your card, um, then your character's KO'd for the round. They get basically pushed on their side. They lose all the power they had. And then on the next turn, they stand back up uh, in, their, uh, in their, their, their damage state. Their damage state, their stats might get better in some places, worse in others. They might get new superpowers. They might have more or less dice or more or less range or require more or less power to use their specific abilities, but you can still use them. Um, but again, they'll be out for the round that they get KO'd and they like won't count for things like uh, being in control of an objective, right? Because they got knocked down. So that plays into the tactical decision making that you're making as an opponent, right? Like, when's the best time to actually knock an opponent down the first time? And am I going to have the strength of dice to make it happen or not? Uh, really cool. Again, adds to that design space and allows the designers to do cool things like give Captain America an ability called I can do this all day, where when he's in his defensive stats, he can uh, change blanks in his defense roles to successes. So it becomes much harder to hit Captain America and do damage once he's in his damage state. Because, hmm. you know, that's what Captain America does. Yeah, that's a really neat way. I'm, I mean, overall, this is just an amazing uh, layout, I think, for a game. I think it's going to be something special, to be honest with you. Yeah, me too. And we haven't even talked about objectives yet, which are super cool. So let's talk about force building and objectives. So force building in this game, you bring 10 heroes or villains. Doesn't matter. You just bring 10 models that you want. Like, fucking awesome. You want to play with your toys? Play with your toys. Um, you bring 10 people and then you also have a stack of cards, which is essentially your sort of, you can think of it as attacker defender. It's not always attacker defender, but it's for the purpose of explanation. It's easy to, to think of it as attacker defender. One of you will play an attacker type card and the other one will play a defender type card. And then each of those has a victory condition on it. And so the combination of the two cards that you bring sets the objective and it also sets how many characters you can hire because all of them have a threat value attached to them. And the threat value attached to the card is it allows you to hire your crew. So you can remember that I said you were going to have 10 heroes that you brought with you. So I'm going to go through the hiring cost of a few models so that you get an idea of what it is. So Ultron, Spider-Man, Captain Marvel, and Captain America all require four threat. Now, if you're paying attention here, and and then I tell you that the average threat value that you're able to hire is 17, that means even though you brought 10, 
if you heroes if you brought those three of them that would be 12 of your 17 threat in those four people or three four people right so Mm -hmm. right it's you're never going to be using all 10 of your models you get to look at what the objective is and then out of your 10 hire in your opinion the best combination for the mission at hand um and i i can't think of a cooler way to hire crews that i've ever seen like Bring all the models you want because sometimes heroes and villains have to team up, you know, to do something. And then once you've seen the objective, bring the best models in your collection to do the job. Um, Super smart. And then a thing to add on top of that is they, because they're, again, this design pedigree, they know that some people want to have themed armies and they've given specific types of models. And you can only ever, I think, bring one leader but certain models have a star symbol ability on their card, and that means they're a leader. And all of those have an affiliation. So like Affiliation Avengers, which Captain America is the head of. If your hired crew has, uh, I think it's 50% of that affiliation out of just the models you hire in to do the job, then those models in that affiliation benefit from that ability the entire time. And for Captain America, that is each turn, you may reduce the power cost of the first superhero used by each allied character by one to a minimum of one. So if you bring Avengers and you're led by Captain America, every Avenger that you bring, the first time they use a superpower every turn, that superpower costs less. So it's not a game-breaking power, but it definitely incentivizes you to bring at least half Avengers if you're going to bring Captain America. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a very cool way to reward people for bringing themed forces without forcing them to do it. No, I like that a lot. Um, and, and honestly, you know, at this point I'm up to you guys asking me questions about how I felt playing the game. Cause I've sort of like, Oh boy, if you're not hyped to buy this game at this point, I don't know what to tell you. Ooh, it's, I, before we get down that road about that, there is one thing I want to mention that I know about for the game um, that helps with the design building as well, too. So obviously, in the Marvel Universe, multiple characters have monikers taken on by multiple different people. So I know that uh, the, the Atomic Mask guys have taken that into consideration because obviously you can only have one Peter Parker in the army. You can only have you know one Steve Rogers in the army because not only do the heroes have their superhero name, they also have their real-world name. So, but the cool thing behind that is you can have multiple Spider-Men because you can have Peter Parker and you can have Miles Morales. So you can have two Spider-Men in your list, but they're actually two different people with two different powers because even though the moniker is the same, the hero that's playing it is a different person. So I do like that because it brings that, it restricts it from a certain uniqueness, but it also allows it like at some point in time, most likely we could probably have a Spider-Verse army. Yep, and which then, I'm aboard with. It's it's worth noting that Ghost Spider or Spider Gwen is also yes. uh, available right off the bat. So like there are three Spider Verse characters that will be in not necessarily the initial release, but in the first wave yep. of the models that they've announced. And I will be, be, be petitioning for Spider Pig. That will be happening. Um, Atomic Mass <laughs> Games. If you're listening, Spider Pig, please, because that was just hilarious in that movie. Yep. The other thing, uh, before you get into it, I'm already at a point where um, I'm like, I want to play this with my boy. 
he would freaking love this. So one of my demos was actually against a kid who I, if I had to guess, was between nine and ten, with his dad standing behind him, and it was me and me and his dad coaching him, and mm-hmm. then like me sort of like letting him beat the shit out of me with Spider Man, which is like his favorite character, right? Um, and he was totally getting it. Um, yeah, I mean, my son's five, so you know, for me, it's just gonna be him pushing models around. But it's like I'm okay with that because it's it's introducing him into the hobby. It's it's something is he's going to be able to relate to. Again, Spider Man is his favorite as well too. So like I'm going to so throw up Miles and, and Peter Parker up there. I'm like, all right, buddy, here's your guys, here's my guys. Let's just beat each other up. And he's going to be on board with it. And he's going to grow with it. Yeah, man, hundred. This is definitely something I can see doing with him. I I completely would agree um, that that is possible, especially with your help, right? Um, yep. Because the rules of the game are really simple. The symbols make it easy to understand. And all of the game is on the cards. So as long as the kid can read, uh, the kid can play the game very, very effectively. And I don't mean like well, the kid as in your kid. I mean like any kid. No, nah, I know right? what you meant. But I, I hope for Paul's sake that when they do update, you know, errata and FAQ card or rules that they update the cards and not the rule book. Yeah, me too. Or Paul might not have a uh, have an aneurysm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I had to dig a little bit. It's okay. <laughs> um, but that's for me. That's uh, that's my my total gush on uh, Marvel Crisis Protocol. Um, I know I'm the the guy who like spreads the the word and i i'm really set on my current stable of games but there is no way i miss this game like just it's just not happening this game is no it's it's getting fit in yeah, for yeah, sure this game, there's no doubt yeah, this game yeah. is getting, getting purchased yeah i mean it's it's got that you know with three by three it's not fully you know coffee table level but you know it's definitely small enough where you know and and it seems like once you get the missions in there, it's going to be fast. It's going to be streamlined once you get the rules down pat. Um, definitely something you might be able to fit multiple games in a night. It doesn't seem like, you know, it's like where you're going in with either Malifaux or, uh, you know, uh, a Soyfi, like where you're, you know you're going to be playing for at least an hour to two hours. Like this might be where you can get a couple of games in a night, and I like that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely um... – I mean, I think it, it, it's it's heavier than I think you guys imagine it is. Um, like, it definitely feels like you get some pretty strong weight of decisions. Um, but it is also, you know, meant to be like a kind of game that you can just pick up and play and you can easily teach to a person. And also, this might be the most universally loved property in, like, all of pulp pop culture at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Um and I'm not saying everyone loves Marvel, but I think if you don't think Marvel is the most universally loved uh, sort of like franchise, then you're not paying attention. Like this game has a massive potential audience. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 core group is already, you know, solidified. It doesn't have to it is, appeals to all different levels. Um, and I think yeah. there I think there is a huge segment of the market that would love to play a miniatures game, but is intimidated by a large number of miniatures that they might have to paint. And that's even true with Legion. Um, But this game offers a gateway in with a limited range of miniatures um, and uh, a rule set that's like very easily digestible. 
even though it's very deep. Uh, and I, I just I think they've really nailed that balance here, and I'm excited to see what this game does. So you probably say easy to pick up, hard to master. Oh yeah, for sure, hundred okay. percent. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's what's so good about a Song of Ice and Fire. Mm-hmm. Yep. Agreed. So if he's yeah, especially after playing it in that tournament, you know, definitely learned a lot of things about it being a little bit more hard to master because it is an easy game to pick up. But yeah, yeah, it's it, that is it's an easy game to learn how to play, but it's not an easy game to play well. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but yeah, uh, oh, you know, one thing I didn't I didn't mention is that this game, the the measuring widgets, so the short, medium, and and so one speed one, speed two, speed three in uh, in Legion. So while the the widget is great in Legion, I I honestly think it works better in this game. Um, 100%. That's, I mean, it's just my opinion. Um, But I really, really believe that it works better in this game than it did in uh, A Song of Ice and Fire. Or sorry, than in Star Wars Legion. Um, Strictly for the fact that, like, it feels really natural moving one model with that specific framework. Um, it, it just feels better. Uh, and you know, kudos to fantasy flight and Alex Davey for coming up with that mechanic, but it just, it honestly, man, it, it just feels more natural in this game than it did in Legion. So that was the only thing I wanted to say about the measuring widgets. I think this is the game that those were meant for. Yeah, that's good. So I know, um, I, uh, based on the link that was pasted up today for miniature market it looks like this game is targeting for fourth quarter 2019 for a release that's always been the case yep okay yeah because i i knew i I knew there wasn't a solid date on it but at least you know it's a it's a coming soon and soon is actually soon yep um you we we will have our hands on this in the next four months that's correct actually yeah, it Sounds would appear good. that the game is currently like in mass production. Like, that's where it's de- it's not in development anymore. They are making this game. Good, good, good. Paul, this one's on you. Great. <laughs> I'll take it though. You taught me Song of Ice and Fire pretty well. Yeah. I taught somebody a game. Yay! <laughs> Another new game for the three men in a war game crew. I know. Oh god, my my wallet is already cringing. Well, it's not too bad and off the bat either. And I mean, you know, we didn't talk about terrain packs either. Yeah, th- this is something that I'm hoping a, a large third party market opens up for this game if it's successful. I really can see that happening, and and I, I'm excited to see what people are going to put out there for it because I know. You know, uh, I never really got into it, but Hero Clicks, you know, was obviously super popular uh, for a long time. So and I, I know for I listened to some conversation they had at the booth. They are planning on producing neoprene mats, atomic masses. They're mm-hmm. planning on producing terrain packs. Like they are supporting this game in a way that only Asmodee can, uh, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm excited. You know, Marvel Universe is, like you said, it's a, it's a huge universe. You're stupid to think if it's not the largest IP or most beloved IP out there right now. Um, you know, Disney is obviously going to milk this for all it's worth as well, too. Because, uh, yeah. and I'm, I'm, I'm sure Asmodee spent pretty penny 
on that license uh, from Disney. So it's going to... I think they see all the success with a lot of the games that they're doing, and you know it's time to get that comic book money in there now. Yeah, they're trying to. They're going to make the most of it. That is for sure. Yeah, and especially now that they own Fox, you know. We'll, see, we'll, see. well actually, that's from movies. That's not anything else. So never mind on that one. I mean, you never know. We might see the X Men. Oh, if you, they better. <laughs> They better put X-Men in there. God, if they put Deadpool in there, which they I know they will. I want to see some of the most crazy, off-the-wall rules for Deadpool. <laughs> as long as something in there breaks the fourth wall. Oh, it's got, oh of course. Of course. You know, I'm, I'm hoping for something, you know, unicorn-related. You know, obviously chimichanga-related. Um, you know, yeah. Only time will tell. Yep. I'm looking now, damn it, Chops. Now you got me thinking about all the possibilities for this game, and it just now my imagination is going running wild. Hey, man, that's the that's where it's at. I'm the I I don't know. I couldn't be more excited. I've 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 talked myself out at this point, um, but I am beyond excited and stoked for this game. Well, everybody, lock your wallets up. Chops is at it again. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I I don't blame this one on Chops. This I is don't. On, this is totally on Will Schick. And, you know, and I'm I'm 100% behind supporting it, man. Uh, like I said, you know, he, I think he was one of the driving forces behind why Mark II was probably the best edition of Warm Hordes. Um, and I was sad to see him leave there, but now I'm happy to see what he's working on. Um, and I I can't wait to get my hands on it to try a demo. Uh, maybe we need to do what other people are doing as well, too, and get these cards printed and get the rules in proxy and try it out. Yeah. Do it. Well, um, let's bring it around to some final thoughts on this. Um, Chris, final thoughts? Uh, again, I was I was not looking forward to this. It was a moment, um, but seeing everything I've seen on the internet, uh, with what Chops just said today, with his experience with the three demos he did, uh, I'm cautiously optimistic. Cautiously optimistic is where I'm at. Chops? All true believers, I'm fully in. Yeah, well, I uh, I initially was grumbly about it, having to paint it, um, but then I realized I didn't give a shit. I'm in. Boom. You heard it here. We're in. All three of so, us. Unanimous. Yeah. Um, Chops, why don't you take us out of here since I've, I'm still having connection issues. <clears throat> sure thing. Uh, first off, uh, thank you to our patrons. Um First and always, you guys are the driving force behind the show. You keep us recording every week. Uh, we love hearing your guys' feedback, so keep it coming on the Discord channel. Um, <clears throat> if you'd like to join the Discord channel, go ahead and check out the uh, link in the description for the show. And if you'd like to support us on Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash 3 wargame uh, and submit there at one of our different levels. That money goes directly into us trying to attend cons, together uh buying video equipment to start shooting some bat reps those kinds of things um and on the patreon uh, level uh thank you to tim specifically he is our newest patron so i wanted to give him a shout out for saying thanks for uh, give, uh supporting the channel absolutely so big thank you there tim um <clears throat> uh and then also uh thank you to static as a city for our amazing intro and outro music uh, and also, well, actually, 
Uh, I think that's pretty much it. Um, no, nope, there's 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 one more. There's one more. Go for it, Chris. You're you're more on top of it than me right now. I finally did it, guys. The merch shop is up. There's the official three men in a war game paraphernalia out in the wild now. So uh, if you want to, you can go over to Zazzle, uh, Z-A-Z-Z-L-E dot com uh, slash three men in a war game. Uh, you can go out there. We've got shirts, coffee mugs, stickers, uh, tumblers, you name it. We, we've got it out there. So if you you know another way that you can support the channel um, and th- that'll be out there. Uh, link in the show notes as well, too. So, uh, but it's out there. I know I've been promising. I got called out by a patron, so I got it taken care of. And Potter was having way too much fun making stuff. Yeah, as soon as I finally got into it, it was uh, it was a lot of fun to do. So I may have made a little too much. So, <laughs> but it's there. But I hope is- you guys enjoy. And if you got any feedback, let me know. Any designs you're kind of looking for, we get enough feedback looking for those designs. Obviously, we'll make it. Um, so, and, and obviously with warm weather coming around, we'll get some hoodies out there. Uh, but you want a pillowcase, a dog bowl, I can make those too. Let me know. <laughs> <laughs> I got you a shower curtain if you want. It's all people want is for us to be watching them shower. Yep. So oh, any no, ideas no, no. or anything? Don't start that. That's not going to no, happen. No, We're not doing no, it. No cameras, no nothing. <laughs> We're not going to, no, nope, not going to happen. But uh, any ideas or anything, if you guys want to see, you know, uh, pop on our Discord, uh, DM me directly uh, on there, and uh, I, I'll be more than happy to talk to you about what you guys are looking for, and I'll see if I can't get it made. All right, guys. Uh, I think that's it. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye.